He's still in that business, folks. Don't ever forget it. Don't ever forget it. During the, oh, almost forgot. If you have your Bibles or your electronic device with your Bible, let's hold those up. I'm a child of God. Have in my hand, powerful word of God. Can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Here's our prayer, Lord Jesus, today. Speak to me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now look over at your neighbor and say, you are a creation of God. And then hold your thumb up to him and say, we're special. <laughs> During the Christmas season, we've been looking at traditions. We looked at the tradition of purification and what that meant, and then last uh, week was redemption. And today I want to finish this series with the idea of celebration. Uh, Christmas is a time of celebration, and we want to focus on that. Uh, celebration is a time that you set aside to honor someone or something and if you look at the Christian calendar, there's two times throughout the year uh, where Christians look forward to things. Uh, one is a feast and one is a fast. But both are a celebration because we set aside time to celebrate each one. A feast is the one we like more than a fast because the feast means that we eat a lot. How many of you have eaten more than you really should eat in the last four weeks? Sweets, apple pie, fudge, candy, cookies. Keep rattling it off. Homemade. Anytime you say homemade, you don't have to. I don't care what you say at the end of it. Just homemade. <laughs> but we eat. We feast. It's a great time, isn't it? And then we all come to January 1, as Don said earlier, and we go, I'm going to Weight Watchers. <sighs> Amen. <laughs> I've contended I've looked down all of my life and watched all the weight I wanted to watch, but nevertheless. <laughs> we don't like the fasting one. That's more of a somber celebration. Because <laughs> we're asked to sacrifice something in the midst of a fast. <clears throat> but both are appropriate. Both are important, the feasting and the fasting. <clears throat> Jesus said in the New Testament to his disciples, there's a time to fast, there's a time to feast. In the book of Ecclesiastes, it says there's a time to cry, there's a time to laugh, a time to grieve, a time to dance. So life isn't about just having a party, just laughing our way through. But in the Christian calendar, we both have feasting and fasting. And I know people that they would rather just be partying all the time. And then I know another group of people that is, they just soon be sorrowing and mourning all the time. Seems like everything that happens in their life has a negative attachment to it in some way. Uh, and you might ask, you might ask, when is that fast coming up? You know, we're in the midst of the feasting now, but when's the fast coming up? And normally in the Christian calendar, it's uh, 40 days, it's called Lent, and it's 40 days leading up to Easter. And Christians will say they're going to give up something for those 40 days. I'm going to give up something for Lent. 
And so they will focus then on those days of fasting leading up to the resurrection at Easter. And the tradition of Christmas has not been a fast but a feast. It's a happy celebration. And I want us to consider all the things that we do on Christmas. And like I said earlier, we eat a lot. And uh, we get to, in fact, uh, Cindy's family, we couldn't all get together on Christmas Day, so we just fast forward to today, and we're going to do it again. And uh, it'll be fun. And the main thing that we do is eat. And some of the stuff that comes, I pass it up because I'm not sure what it is or what it looks like. And if I can't tell you what it is, I'm not going to eat it. So I'll just move on. Uh, there's only one thing I've ever spit out that was made at Christmas, and it was something Cindy's mother made. And it was, it was nasty. <laughs> I prayed about it. God said, spit it out. <laughs> it, I, I was discreet. I, I didn't go, wow! I, mean, I, didn't, I just disappeared, and it, it did as well. <laughs> so I don't even think the dogs. Never mind. It's a... <laughs> Christmas is a time when Santa Claus comes, we sing, we jump, we dance, we, we kiss, we hug. It's a great time. And one of the true celebrations of Christmas is when we sing Christmas carols, and we've done that for a few weeks, did it on Christmas Eve here, and, you know, I just love it. I just love all the kissing, the hugging, and the singing. It's just a great time to celebrate, isn't it? In your notes, we have an opening verse. Got it up here on the screen, I think. In Luke 2, it says, That night some shepherds were in the fields outside the village guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terribly frightened, but the angel reassured them, Hey, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy to, for everyone. The Savior, Jesus the Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight in Bethlehem, the city of David. And this is how you'll recognize him. You'll find a baby lying in a manger wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others and the armies of heaven praising God. You see that? Praising God. Glory to God in the highest in heaven, heaven and peace on earth to all whom God favors. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Come, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this wonderful thing that's happened which the Lord has told us about. So they ran to the village. And found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. And then the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherds' story were astonished. But Mary quietly treasured these things in her heart and thought about them often. And the shepherds went back to their fields and flocks, glorifying and praising God for what the angels had told them. And because they had seen this child, just as the angel had said. So they were glorifying and they were praising God. And the angels were so excited. And the shepherds were so excited. And, and why were the angels and the shepherds excited and celebrating at this first Christmas? And why do we celebrate like we do at Christmas? Well, it's because, remember that celebration is the time when you honor someone or something. I could take a microphone to 71st and Memorial, and I could ask people randomly uh, and interview them on why we celebrate Christmas. And you, we would get different responses, different answers, but uh, first you might get somebody to say, well... It's about getting presents. It's about getting presents. And that's not the reason we celebrate, but it might be one of the ways that we celebrate. And then there might be some well-meaning people who say, well, it's because of family. And it's, it's time to be around those who you love. And again, good, good response, but not the, really the right answer. Some might even celebrate goodwill and helping others and practicing generosity. Again, all good intentions, but not the reason we celebrate Christmas. 
But if we are truly, really in tune with the Christmas celebration, we know those are not the things that we do to really celebrate because at Christmas, we celebrate one person, and that's Jesus Christ. And we celebrate Jesus because of the hope that we have when we believe in him. And because of the hope we have, I want you to look at the next passage in your outline there in Matthew 12, up on the screen. Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved, and I am very pleased with him. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout. He will not raise his voice in public. He will not crush those who are weak or quench the smallest hope until he brings full justice with his final victory. And look at this last line and say it with me. And his name will be the hope of all the world. His name will be the hope of all the world. The Bible says that the whole world was lost and that Jesus came to bring hope. In other words, we've been separated from God because of our sin. And no matter what people tried, there was nothing we could do to overcome or close the gap of that separation from God. There was nothing we could do to get rid of the ultimate emptiness and meaninglessness in our lives. But the Bible says that on Christmas, God saw our hopelessness our separation, and then he decided to step out of heaven, come to earth, and give up his omnipotence and become a small, helpless child so that we could have life, so that we could have a relationship with him. Now, you need to realize that it doesn't matter how good you've had it. It doesn't matter how great 2012 has been for you. You might have had some great relationships, and you might have been able to make a lot of money, uh, and if you have, I'd like to know how you did that. Let me know. But it doesn't matter how good you've been doing. It really doesn't. Without Jesus, there's really no hope. And as you look back on 2012, it doesn't matter how crummy your year's been. And you may have had the, the worst possible year. You may have had suffered through several bad relationships. Uh, you may have, your job may have went south. You uh, may have had a financial downturn. Uh, you might have experienced uh, divorce or know people that have and uh, loved ones that have. Maybe you've lost a loved one during uh, 2012. And it's just, it's just been tough. Jobs lost during the past year. But I'm here to tell you, with Jesus, there is always hope. With Jesus, there's always hope. And you don't have to leave here today to finish this Christmas season without hope. And at Christmas, we're reminded about the hope we have in Jesus. So I want the, to spend the rest of our time this morning sharing with you four very practical and tangible ways that we, we can celebrate the hope we have in Jesus. The first one, and I'm going to use the acrostic hope. H means we have a time to focus on Jesus. During the Christmas season, have a time to focus on Jesus. I don't know about you, but it's easy to get distracted. You get busy, and, and, and the longest time Christmas, uh, uh, the longest, in fact, for the longest time, Christmas, I should say, was about getting presents. It's easy to get distracted because of all the things that are going on around us. People, crowds, just driving, it just is crazy. Uh, we finally get some snow after Christmas, and I don't know if you called that snow, but it was something white falling out of the sky. It didn't stick around long, kind of grateful for that, but, you know, we sure need some moisture. So I was grateful for anything we could get. My car got wet, the streets got wet, but it, it again, didn't last long enough. Uh, but I'm grateful there wasn't any ice along with it. 
So, I mean, there's things to be grateful for, right? But we get distracted. But I'm not sure when it actually flipped for me in my life from getting to understanding that I had already received. The greatest gift ever to receive by anybody in the gift of Jesus Christ. And we've already looked at Luke 2 and and one passage. I want to look at one other in verse 16. It says, They, the shepherds, ran to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. And one of the things that strikes me about that particular passage is that the shepherds ran. The shepherds ran to the village. Would you underline in your outline or in your Bible, they, the shepherds, ran. You see, the shepherds were out in the field. They were minding their own business, doing what they do, doing their job. And what they were doing was important. But what we see in this passage is they left what they were doing to go find Jesus. They ran to Bethlehem, it says. What that says to us is that it's not that what they had going on wasn't important, wasn't a priority. What it says is it wasn't the most important thing for them to do. And the most important thing for them to do was to go see Jesus. So in all the busyness of the season, we need to take a few moments and stop and focus on who Jesus is. And I hope you've done that. You know, we're past Christmas, but it still is not too late to focus and be grateful for Almighty God through Jesus. And one of our family traditions at our house is to read the Christmas story before we open the presents. It was kind of funny this year because we met after Christmas when all the children could be here, all the kids and the the daughter-in-laws and our new daughter-in-law and our grandchildren. It was a wonderful day, wonderful day, the day after Christmas on the 26th. And we were in such a hurry to get presents open. And then one of the boys said, hey, Dad, we need to read the Christmas story. And I thought, yeah, we should usually do it before we rifle through all these presents. But it was important for them to have me read that story to them again. So we all stopped. And I read the Christmas story out of Luke chapter 2. Maybe you have a tradition like that in your house. It's a special thing to do. And uh, Cindy and I early on wanted to make sure that we taught our boys the importance of Jesus as the greatest gift before we ever rifle through those that are wrapped up under a tree. And so it's been a, a great thing. And they remember it. And I'll bet you they'll start that in their families too, in their homes. I hope they do. It's a great, great tradition. Maybe you've got a good one too. But look at our next verse in the outline, John 1. It says, He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not uh, with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Now, I want you to underline in your Bible or on your outline there the phrase, he came into the very world he created. John is telling us that the creator of the universe left his home, came in the form of a baby for you and for me, and this baby would eventually become a man and die on the cross for our sins. And what a great way to focus and reflect uh, for us to stop to think what Jesus did. And he did all of this just for me, just for you. He did it all just so you and I could find him, so that you and I could find salvation through him. So if Jesus did all this for us, is it asking too much for us to take some time to focus on him, to focus on all that he's done for us during this season and really during our whole lives? And though the season is full of celebration, for some it's the best time of the year, but for some it's the hardest time of the year. 
And maybe it's the worst time of the year because you've come through one of those life tough moments. And it's hard to stay focused on any, anything that's hopeful. But I want you to know that hope is in this season. Which leads us to our second point. Open my eyes to those hurting around me. Open my eyes to those around me. It's the second way we celebrate hope. We've got to open our eyes to the hurting that's around us. And the best way to accomplish that is to begin to look at everybody through the eyes of Jesus. Look at everybody as though they are, and you recognize them as, creation of God. God created them. Well, boy, they're just mean, preacher. They're just ugly, and they say nasty things. It's okay, because they're still a creation of God. We don't know what's going on. In their life. I, don't, I don't believe ever, anyone was ever born evil. I don't think anyone was ever born learning how to cuss. I don't think they started saying the first words of cuss words. I just don't. It frustrates mamas because they usually end up saying dad, dad first. And it frustrates mamas because they put in all the work and dad, dad just shows up every now and then. He's the party guy. He's the fun guy. Mama, but boy, once, once that baby says mama, that's it for that mom. She sits down, she cries, she just, oh, oh I just love my baby. I mean, 10 minutes earlier, she's ready to kill him. But boy, that baby knows that and says, Mama, all forgiven. That's awesome. That's the way it's supposed to be. But we need to learn to see people through God's eyes because to God, every person is valuable. Now, how do I know that? He sent his son to die for us. He sent his son to die for every one of us. And we need to see people that way. In fact, Paul says it probably better than I can in Philippians chapter 2 when he says, don't be selfish. It's right there in your, in your notes. Don't be selfish. Don't live to make good impressions on others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. Don't think only about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and what they're doing. Your attitude should be the same that Jesus Christ had. Underline that phrase, thinking of others is better than yourself. Okay, hey, whoa, there's that, there's that noise again. All right, I'm going to drop you down in there, and you, you hush and behave yourself. Okay, so God makes us uncomfortable as we begin to reconcile some of these relationships, especially if we have some that are unresolved. And so as we go along, we realize that God has forgiven us. We, in turn, need to forgive others. But we have difficulty doing that. But I'm, I'm here to say that Christmas is a perfect time for that reconciliation. Would you say amen? In Matthew 5, Jesus says it this way. He's speaking from the Sermon on the Mount. So if you are standing before the altar in the temple, offering a sacrifice to God, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there beside the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. And you know, it encourages us, this verse does, that as we find ourselves in the midst of the Christmas season, we get all caught up in the celebrations, we need to ask ourselves, is there any relationship that I need to spend some attention on? Is there anybody that I need to reconcile with? And Christmas is a great time to do that. But I also want to quickly say, there are some relationships you shouldn't reconcile. 
If you were in an abusive situation and that person was abusive to you, you shouldn't try to reconcile that relationship and be abused some more. Because nine times out of ten, if they were abusive to you, they're going to continue to be abusive. Then there may be some uh, who you've tried everything. I mean, you've tried. You've reached out. You've tried to reconcile. They refuse. They absolutely refuse. Well, then there's no reason for you to keep trying because they're not going to do it. You just pray for them, and maybe God will provide an opportunity. So there's some times when, when you don't want to reconcile relationships. But on the norm, most of us have some that we can. They're usually with family. They're usually with friends co-workers, something like that, and we just need to work on trying to get those reconciled, those broken relationships that we encounter. And a Christmas sometimes is very tense. I know that. Uh, it, it, it's tense as we deal with families, and we get together for meals, and there's certain members of those families we just don't get along with. We just don't. And we tolerate them. They tolerate us. They irritate us. As soon as they open their mouth, we're irritated. <laughs> You know, they haven't even said anything. They just come, hey, you're irritated. But it's just, they're just that type of people in your life, okay? But do your best as you can to work and reconcile those relationships when you can. Colossians 3 might be a helpful verse. Paul says it this way, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. And remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And it really doesn't matter if you were the one who wronged or they were the one who wronged. You be the Christian, and you make the first step. You take the first step. Because that's what God had did with us. He did not have, he was under no obligation to reconcile us, to reconcile with us. He didn't have to cover the gap. He didn't have to pull us back together. He didn't really need to do that. However, he took the first step when he sent Jesus to be born as a baby and to die on the cross. He did that for us. Then he went a step further and he sent the Holy Spirit to live in us. And he says, I send him as a guarantee of what I'm saying I'm going to do. Now, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm looking forward to guarantees. When I do an investment, I hope I, hope I get a guarantee like God gives. Guarantee return on that investment. Uh, if you put money in, in the stock market or in a bank or whatever, there's no guarantees it's going to be there tomorrow. Especially the way things are looking now. I'm so tired of hearing about physical cliff. We went off of that a long time ago. Long time ago. It's when the government, they're, they're spending addicts, aren't they? They can't stop spending. <laughs> that's, it. Whew, that's, that's a strong word, but it's true. It's amazing. It's amazing. You and I can't get away with that, can we? But that's the good news. Because we have a God that has abundantly blessed us. Amen? With every spiritual blessing, he says. Wow. So when you stop and consider that, it should bring hope into your life, which leads us to our last point. And that's enjoy God's blessing. Enjoy God's blessing. Shouldn't have to tell you that, but don't forget it. Every Christmas... Enjoy God's blessing. Don't forget to spend some time being grateful and thankful that God has brought you to where you are. And it may be a tough time in your life right now, but you know what? You can still find joy. Because your joy is not in circumstances. It's in the Lord. It's in the Lord. He will provide. Somehow he provides. It's amazing, isn't it? You have a bill that's due. <laughs> you don't have the money to pay it. All of a sudden, somebody sends a Christmas card with a check in it. And lo and behold, it's the same amount you needed. Isn't that funny how that works? 
even down to, sometimes right down to the penny. You get a check for $29.32. Well, that's what my bill is. Wow, that was interesting. God knew. I think he does that all the time just to kind of say, I'm in control. It's all right. Just relax. Take a deep breath. So we need to understand. We need to celebrate. We need to be grateful. Uh, also in Colossians 3, these abundant blessings are showered on us. It says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with, with all wisdom that, as he gives. Sing pray, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. We need to spend time being thankful and being grateful. Have that attitude of gratitude. It makes all the difference in the world. Because I know we live in a world that's full of injustice. I know that there is fear in this world. I know there is sadness. But now, now's the time to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord, I say. Again, I say rejoice. If you always focus on fear, on the things that go wrong, then you never have time to celebrate. And we need to celebrate. Find some joy in your life. Christmas is a great time for that. And I, and I want to free you up to enjoy Christmas, to enjoy the blessings that he's brought into your life. And God is offering you the greatest gift of all time. He's offering you eternal life if you will just but accept it. All you have to do is open your heart to Jesus and ask him into your life. Believe in him. Some of you have heard about this gift and you've put off receiving it time after time after time again. And I don't want you to walk out of here today having not received that gift. Take it. Receive it. It's yours to open and enjoy and have a part of. The Bible says that all you have to do is believe in Jesus and ask him into your life. And please, please, don't leave here today without opening that gift from God. Our, our memory verse and the verse we read earlier, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, no matter what happens, always be thankful for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, I ask you this morning, to come into the lives and hearts of everyone in this room. And God, help us to stay focused. Help us to be focused on the joy of the season. Help us to remember and never forget that you love us with an everlasting love, that you want to spend forever with us. May we never, ever forget that. And Lord, I'm just praying for those today who are here and have never, ever claimed you as their Savior. Uh, perhaps there's one person in this room that today would be that day that they say, I I'm in, Lord. I want to be a part of what you have to offer. I want to I taste that hope that the preacher's been talking about today. God, there's maybe others in the room who've strayed, who've fallen away, who've maybe walked away for whatever reason. God, would you just impress on them how much you love them and how you don't judge them and how you are ready to forgive and help them to move forward, one more step forward. Because, God, we live in a world that's just crushing us, that's trying to get us to quit and to give up and to throw, up, throw in the towel. But yet, Lord, you love us. You've always loved us, and you're never going to stop loving us, even when we mess up, even when we stumble, even when we stub our toe. You never give up on us. Thank you for loving us that much. Thank you for caring about us that much. And if we don't sense your presence, maybe we need to do some heart examination. Maybe we need to look and see if there's any sin in our life that's been unrepented of. And just all you ask is that we come to you and confess it to you and that you'll clean us up. And God, when you clean us up, may we pour in that 
that valley, that gap, that area that got cleaned up, the Word of God. Because if we pour in your Word, great things will happen. So, Father, we ask you in Jesus' name, if there's somebody here today that needs to make a decision of any kind, maybe they want to join this church and make, make this their church home, I, I just want to encourage them to do that. And Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing Song of Invitation, and uh, Jeff's working his way up here to...